This is a must. This is one of the messages that is a must-have. You must understand this. And I'm sure, as I deliver this this morning, that a large number of people in this room do not understand this. And in fact, has been, or possibly have been, or will be, causing you some serious life trouble. Sometimes lifelong trouble. Uh, if you don't understand uh, this passage in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 14, I look back at my notes. I thought I'd preached on this before because I've alluded to it so much. Going back to 1978, I had not preached on it. So I thought, wow, I don't know how that happened. But I was led to do it. And so I'll be there in a minute. But God reveals a secret to us in our text. And I believe no one knows how to heal us like God does. Uh, there's healing in His wings. He healeth all the, our diseases, forgiveth all of our iniquities. If you ever get healed, God let it happen. Uh, doctors can move around stuff. They can take stuff out, put stuff in. They can give you chemicals, but they cannot heal you. The flesh that they cut, they cannot heal it back together. God has to do that. And so recognize that really all healing does come from God. And give Him the credit for it. And He knows how to heal us. He tells us many things that contribute to our physical, our mental, our spiritual healing in the Bible. Laughter, by the way, which we do a number, we do a lot of that here at the Gospel. I've been criticized for my humor. Can you imagine that? Uh, I've had people sit in my office, make an appointment. You know when they make an appointment, it's going to be big. Make an appointment, come out and say, I don't like your humor. And I look at them with all seriousness and say, there's a lot of good churches out there that the preachers never, never have any humor. I think you should find it. Because I can't change who I am. This is, what you're getting is what you get. And as long as it doesn't violate the Bible, I think laughter is biblical. I think you should learn to laugh at yourself. Uh, there's such a thing as over-seriousness, no doubt about it. But the Bible talks about laughter. Um, Proverbs 17.22 says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Doeth good like a medicine. Just to, have you ever known just folks that decided to be happy? By the way, I want to I get into that. Decided to be happy. I think a whole lot of being happy is decision making. Like you get up in the morning, you know, you can be grumpy or you can decide you're not going to be grumpy. Amen? I have many times made the wrong decision. <laughs> I'm not getting up here telling you I'm some, you know, wahoo. I, I, I'm preaching myself. A broken spirit, the Bible says, dryeth the bones. It dryeth the bones. Now, you know much about medicine. You know bones. Your bones are the essence of your life. Your bones make your blood. And the life of the flesh is in the blood. No blood, no life. No good bones, no good health. You have to, your bones make the blood. The hips make most of your blood. That's why when you break your hip, you're in such, it's trouble. And so, Proverbs 16, 24 says, Pleasant words are as in honeycomb. I don't know if you have ever experienced this. I had four hives at one time in honeybee hives. 
And I would go out there and I would pull the cone out, you know, the, that they had gathered. It's bee spit. Bee spit. And they chew that stuff up like tobacco and they pff, it in that little hole. And you go over there and you put, you take, cut a piece of that comb out, put that in your mouth. You go, oh, that's some of the best there is. If you're a diabetic, it's a ticket to heaven. <laughs> if you're saved. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul. And health to the bones. And your bones are the center of your health. Proverbs 15.30 said, The light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart. A good report maketh the bones fat. Yeah, you didn't know fat was good, did you? But if your bones are fat, ooh, that means they're healthy, they're good, they don't have any problems, and you're in good shape. Your body is not dependent as much on food for its health as you may think. You are really not what you eat. You're more what your spirit is. The spirit is really the controller. Uh, I, I've named it the healer. The Bible verse we're talking about says it's the sustainer. It is a spirit that regulates our complicated chemical endocrine system. A series of either eight or nine glands. I got a doctor in the audience, so I know he's sitting there going, no, that's stupid. That's, I'm anyway, eight or nine glands, which all interact to each other and uh, regulate. Right now, it's going on. Right now, it's going on. You're just, your body's doing a phenomenally complicated uh, regulation system as you sit there. As I'm up here, imagine what it's doing. I'm pressing it. And so it is a spirit that regulates this, and, and our text uh, makes it, I think, very clear. So I'm going to read the text, Proverbs 18, 14. says, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? Let's read it again. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity without qualification. But a wounded spirit, who can bear? So I think it behooves us, if that's a word, to find out what this means. And this text will literally save your life physically, but more emotionally. And it may save your marriage. It may save your relationships at work with people. It will make you and help you to be right with God. And instead of having a, a, a miserable life, no matter what your infirmity is, you can have a wonderful life, even with the infirmity that God has chosen to give you. I believe you know instinctively what I just read as far as being true, a wounded spirit who can bear. You've witnessed it. You've experienced people with wounded spirits. You've been around people with wounded spirits. You may have attended or been a member of a church that the pastor had a wounded spirit or the chairman of the board of deacons had a wounded spirit or uh, one of your friends had a wounded spirit. And you, you've experienced, maybe not able to define the terms, uh, maybe not to be able to classify everything, but you sensed something was wrong for sure. You have witnessed it. 
So this message from here out is not going to surprise you if you have witnessed it. It's just going to clarify it. A wounded spirit who can bear. So you asked me, preacher, to find a wounded spirit for us. Thank you for asking that, by the way. Here's some types of a wounded spirit. A bitter spirit is a wounded spirit. I literally can sometimes look in an audience as I am this morning. I'm trying not to look at anybody. <laughs> and I can, uh, I can sense somebody's bitter. I can feel when they're bitter at me. You can feel it. My, my mom and daddy used to call it the cold shoulder. It's a sense of coldness, like the like the like the like a, a old uh, fashioned snowstorm, which we have no idea here in South Florida what that's like. But a bitter spirit is a wounded spirit. Someone betrays you. I almost can say categorically, someone will betray you. I, I suppose I can't say that because I don't know everything. But from the little bit I do know, I'm going to say you're probably not going to get out of this life without somebody pretty close to you betraying you, betraying your trust. You put trust in them and they betrayed you. Someone will mistreat you uh, that's supposed to be a Christian. You haven't read Romans 7 in a while, I guess. But a Christian will mistreat you. Can you imagine such a thing? A Christian deacon will mistreat you. A Christian pastor, assistant pastor, especially assistant pastor. <laughs> Youth pastor, that's just a given. They'll betray you. They'll, they, uh, they will uh, do something that mistreats you or something like that. Uh, you, it, and by the way, uh, not everything perceived is real. A perception is just as real as reality if you perceive it that way, but it may not be reality. I believe there's a group of, of people in our country that think our president needs to be impeached, but I think it's imagination. Anything I've heard, it seems to be just perceived such. I would say the Democratic Party has a bitter spirit. I just go on record for that. When Obama was in office, I did not like that. I'm going to go real close to the word hate. But I didn't hate because it's not Bible, but I just about came to hating it. I did not like it. I thought it was the lowest time for all of America's ever been. But you didn't hear me being bitter. Because I wasn't going to let that make me bitter. Because the Bible says there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So I said, well, Lord... I don't know much, but I know you put him in office. It could be punishment because we've been lazy or whatever our problem is. But whatever, Lord, help me to pray for him that he gets saved. Sometimes it's a little tough. But I didn't want to have a bitter spirit. Why? The spirit of a man, it sustains him. The, the title of this is, the title of this whole message is our spirit is our healer. It's what heals you when you get an infirmity. An infirmity can be any kind of trouble. It's a wide, broad word. A critical spirit is a wounded spirit. Oh, you, 
You've not only possessed that, you have probably seen a lot of it around you, a critical spirit. When a person becomes judge, jury, prosecutor, and sentencer, no one or nothing is right, and this person tends to give no mercy in a situation. Uh, I hate to say it, I have had a critical spirit from time to time. How about you? A pessimistic spirit is a wounded spirit. That's where they sing, doom, despair, agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If I had no bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Doom, despair, agony on me. I don't play banjo, so I... I'm going to really feel bad if that's all you remember. I'm really going to feel bad if that's all you remember when you go, hey, the preacher sang that a hee-haw. I'm trying to get you to remember it. Pessimistic spirit. Oh, my goodness, that's wounded. I mean, nothing's right. Nothing's right. You always look on the dark side of the issue. Brother, get on top side of stuff. You know, there'll be clouds in the sky, and oh, the rain's going to come rather than getting some shade. A pharisaical spirit is a wounded spirit. That's, that's the one who looks down from the lofty heights of perfectionism and self-righteousness. One who feels better than others and makes it clear that they have a superior intellect or a superior spirituality. The Pharisees were that way, self-righteous. A sour spirit is a wounded spirit. That's when your lip puckers, when you speak, and you got this look, contorted look, that a plastic surgeon couldn't make. I mean, a nasty kind of a puckered up deal that you get a sour spirit, the face contorts, a depressed spirit is a wounded spirit. That's where gloom hangs over everything of you like fog. It de-energizes you completely. A discouraged spirit is a wounded spirit. Taking down everybody around you, taking the joy out of your own life and anybody that has contact with you. Now what heals these infirmities? Well, the Bible says it. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. If your spirit is wounded, you have nothing to heal your infirmities. And you cannot do well. You have nothing to sustain you through the predictable troubles that are coming. I hope you get that. You're not going to go through this life on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through stormy seas. You're not going to be able to do that. Bad things are coming your way. I just want to encourage you this morning. <laughs> I'd be lying to you if I told you that you're just going to go slick through this life and, all, and you're going to miss all the trouble and miss all the heartaches and miss all the disappointments and miss all the trials. You're not going to. The question is, how will you respond to it? 
How important is it that you keep your spirit healthy this morning? Well, the Bible says, a wounded spirit who can bear. Basically, it says no one can do well with a wounded spirit. That makes sense. All those things I listed and more, if you get them, they're going to damage you. You're not going to do well. Uh, suicide is because people get a wounded spirit. They, they, oh, no hope in living. How does a person get so low that they want to kill themselves? This precious gift called life. Because they have a wounded spirit, it never was healed. Because their wounded spirit was what was there to sustain their infirmities. And I believe you know this to be true in life as you've seen it. The Bible's full of examples of a good spirit overcoming massive obstacles and overwhelming problems. Let me give you the one that you're already thinking of. Job. Job. There's no better book in the Bible, no better place in the Bible to go than to the old, the old boy Job. Job lost his reputation, lost his wealth, lost his health. I don't know if you've ever had a boil. How many here have had a boil? Raise your hand. Come on now. Huh? We could have a boil Sunday. I had some boils. I won't tell you where they were, but man, I'm telling you, I couldn't sit down. I never appreciated sitting down in my life like I appreciated when I finally got over that boil. Ooh, doggies, that was bad. I couldn't even think anything else. I could, I could feel, I didn't have to take my pulse here. I could feel it. Ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. Ooh, that's bad. Oh, Job lost his health. He lost his children. In one day, he lost 10 kids. He lost his wife. She didn't die, but it would have been better had she. I mean, any woman in the midst of your darkness will come up to you and say, let me give you some advice, honey. Curse God and die. It's not the kind of woman you want. He lost his friends. He lost the ministry for good. He had a great ministry for good. How did this man overcome all this? Job 13, 15, if you want to mark that and go to it, it's a memory verse of mine. Years ago, I memorized this verse because I knew things were going <laughs> I knew life well enough to know I was going to need it. Uh, Job had a good spirit. He had a good spirit. Through all of those things which are so much more radical than the average person ever ever would begin to experience. I believe God put that radical experience in the Bible and had him go through that and succeed through that because he knew Job. And he knew Job was going to make it out the other end because Job had a, had a good spirit. He had a spirit that was relying upon God that, and, and was, would not, was not wounded by all of that. And the spirit of a man sustained these infirmities. If that was ever example in the Bible, it's Job. Though he slay me, that's as much as it can happen. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. God's let me go through some stuff. Nothing like Job. But you know, one thing I've learned about 
about troubles. When you're in the trouble, it's big. Now, if tomorrow's in the trouble, it ain't too bad. But when I'm in the trouble, it's like, I couldn't imagine having a baby. I mean, when I saw my wife go through having that baby, that scared me to death. I said, I've ruined a perfectly good woman. I think about you come in with pain and you go out with pain. You come in crying and slobbering, you go out crying and slobbering. You come in with diapers, you go out with. What do you think God's trying to tell us? Seek me while you can find me. And seek me with all your heart. Because there may be a time you don't even have enough mind to seek God. It isn't there. It's gone. Bye-bye. Flew away. So, I like Job in 19, 25, 26 also, for I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Now remember, this is in the midst of the trouble. It's not chapter 40 we're talking about when it was over. He's talking in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the trial. He says, you know, one thing I know is that my Redeemer lives, and I'm going to stand with him at the latter day. What was he doing? He was looking forward to the hope that was before him. And Jesus did the same thing, by the way. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. So he was relying upon God and casting, doesn't the Bible say this, cast all your care upon him for he careth for you. And Jesus, it says in Hebrews, how he sustained his trouble was he looked forward to what it was, was going to do, what it was going to purchase, who it was going to save. And he went through it. And that's the way you're going to make it. Job never failed in all these things. They came upon his body. They came upon the sorrow of his soul. They came upon his spirit. Let me say, losing 10 children at one time, I don't even know anybody that's lost that many kids. Not one time. No. There was a World War II family that I believe lost five brothers. And everybody went, and our president at that time said, that cannot happen again. That cannot happen again. We're not going to allow brothers to all go to war. That mother who birthed five of those children lost all five of them. Nobody should suffer that kind of loss. And it doesn't happen much, but Job suffered 10. That was big. I think you could go on and on. But now, just so I don't leave you hanging, what did God do for Job after he was able to sustain that? He doubled everything. He gave him 10 more children. He doubled his wealth. And his wife got to have 10 more kids. There is justice. There is justice. She got to have, I said, get to, got to. I mean, have to. Joseph, what about Joseph? I don't have time to all the examples. There's so many examples of this, of this uh, wounded spirit. Who can bear? The spirit of a man shall sustain his infirmities. I think of Joseph. People kind of go over Joseph. Joseph was sold as a slave. He became a slave. He was taken, and he, every time that, that he started doing well, something slapped him back down, and he went back into the prison again, and he finds himself in prison again, uh, deserted, nobody thinking about him, nobody cared about him, no representative, and, and except for what? Job never lost sight that there was a God. And he trusted in God 
He may, not, he may have been holding on by a couple fingers, but Job held on to his faith in God, and he believed in God. We know that when Potiphar's wife tempted him, his answer, absolutely, he was trusting in God. And what, do, what happened to Joseph? Oh, he got to be the second in power in the greatest nation in the, in the whole, whole world at that time, Egypt. And he also got to save a whole bunch of people from starvation. He got to help people. You know, there's nothing better. There's nothing happier in this world than helping people. I, it's better than lobster. It's better than spearing fish. It's better than fishing. It's better than anything I've ever, ever done. It's, it's better than catching walleye. It's better than any. If you want to help people, it's just fun. It's just great. It's just satisfying. It's deep. I think of Noah. He was alone. Oh, he had his kids, you know, isolated in his faith. But Noah's spirit sustained him when he watched the whole rest of the world be destroyed. He still trusted in God. Paul, the apostle, literally was almost whipped to death. But his spirit stayed strong. He's the one that wrote Romans chapter 8, verse, I think, 31 to 39, where it says, who shall separate us from the love of God? Woo! There's no more encouraging place in the whole Bible than Romans chapter 8, the last part of that chapter. Who wrote that? The guy that almost was whipped to death. Are you starting to get the picture? You should be sitting there thinking, well then, no problem I have is bigger than what he's describing. Nothing that's happened to me has been bigger than what he said. If Job made it, if Joseph made it, if Paul made it, if Noah made it, I can make it. But you have to do what they did. You have to trust in God. Because if you get mad at God, you're going to get bitter, and a wounded spirit is what you'll possess. And a wounded spirit, you'll be destroyed. Or get critical. Or, or get pessimistic. Man, we got no room for that. We're children of the king. The Bible calls it. I'm not, I'm not sitting here beating my, beating my chest because, and, uh, you know, pie in the sky. This is, what, this is Bible. We're a royal priesthood in Christ. We got promises. Woo. Peter was whipped, counted as the off-scouring of the earth. I think of some recent examples. You won't know these people, but some of you will. The man by the name of Jim Till, I think you know, remember Jim Till? Jim Till, you remember Noah though too, so. <laughs> Jim Till, you know, sometimes men get a bad rap and we deserve it. Men do really, I, I warn women about men. My daughter-in-law, my granddaughter, any girl, I said, without Jesus, you don't want a man. Without Jesus, you don't want a man because we're real bad. You don't know bad till you've been around us without Jesus. We'll lie, we'll cheat, we'll crawl on our belly like a lizard. We'll tell you everything to get what we want. No amens on that, I hope. I, my wife here tonight. Okay, never mind. 
But old Jim Till, his wife, I remember when they both came here, she was a nurse, heavy responsibility. I think she had 130 nurses under her in management. And she came here and they both came to church. You know, a lot of people retired here through the years. I've been here 40 years, so I'm going back a long time. And so this is in the 80s. And I think it was Jim Till, I think it was in the 80s, Jim Till and his wife. Anyway, they, uh, she was a real smart, intelligent woman. And all of a sudden she started getting these signs, these crazy signs that happen when you begin to get Alzheimer's. Nobody quite knows what's wrong with you, but we know something's wrong with you. You know, it's just not, it's hard to put your hand on what's going on. Jim obviously knew something was going on. Eventually she got severe Alzheimer's, could not be trusted alone, could not clean the house, could not cook, could not bathe herself, could not change herself. That old boy took care of that girl for 10 years. I look at myself in the mirror sometimes and say, Bill, are you that good a husband? You know, when I said for better or for worse, I really wasn't thinking about that. <laughs> but you could look at Jim and say, this is worse. This is as bad as it's going to get, Jimmy. He was, remember him, how such a good spirit he had? Jim cleaned the house, kept her clean, kept her hair done, kept her from, because Alzheimer's people just want to go. They don't know where they want to go. But they just want to go. They'll get out on the road. We had one Alzheimer's guy rode his bicycle. Fort Myers here, back and forth. I mean, just how he, got, how he kept from getting killed, I just do not know. But Jim Till was one of them. His spirit was good. He didn't have a wounded spirit. You can get mad at God easily when something like that comes around your way. God, why would you treat me like this? I've done good things for you. I've, I've, I've given money. I've, I've, I went visiting a couple times. I read a couple verses. How about Hal Riffle? Hal Riffle. Hal Riffle married a woman. You know, like we all do. We're all in good health. And then her, his woman got real sick. Had to put a, he told me he made a mistake. He, he put a feeding tube on her. He said that was a mistake. She lasted 10 years, but didn't know, I don't believe he was there, didn't know anything was going on, and she lasted, he took care of her for 10 years. I don't know about you, but that's a long time. Then he had another woman, he married another widow, and she also got some sort of a mental deal, I don't know what happened, she fell and different stuff goes on, he took care of her till she died. This man's crazy, he got married a third time. He married um, Jean Powell. Now, Jean was a widow, a widow and, and I, when they, I, I married him right up here at the front. Nobody was just, I think it was just us and a couple witnesses. We've been married a third time. Ain't no big deal. No, no white dress. So we get in, and, and I, think, I think he was 81. I'm not sure how old he was, but he was old. That's real old. And... I said to him before I did it, I said, now, you know, you don't have to do this. <laughs> well, we want to take trips together. We want to go on cruise together. And obviously, we want to be moral, right? They got grandkids and everything, plus God. How about God? We don't live in the same room, right? Unless we're married. And I said, well, that would be right. And that's a good reason to get married. Cruising? So... They got married. I did the vow, and I said, well, the nice thing about this is if you don't like her, you don't have long to work with it. 
And that was true. That was true. About 10 years, they both died. I think he died first, she died next. I knew a guy, 83, get married. 83 years old, get married. He's married to his 94 years old. But how they make it? They don't have a wounded spirit. They don't have a wounded spirit. A wounded spirit will cripple you. It'll hinder you and trouble you. All right, what, so what do you got to do? And I'm, 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 I'm landing the plane. You have to repent of your wounded spirit. That means you have to admit of a wounded spirit. That means you probably are going to need to ask your wife, do I have a wounded spirit in anything you heard this morning? And she's going to say the truth. Yes, you do. Don't start arguing. Don't throw your a defense attorney clothes on and go into this big long thing of why you don't have what she said you had. Just say, I don't want to be that way. I want to repent. Change my mind. Go the other way. Will you help me? And then she needs to ask him, do I have a bitter spirit? And honestly, she needs to listen. I can tell you in front of all you people here this morning, my wife has, does not have and has not had a bitter spirit. I have tried. <laughs> She's so much more spiritual than I am, I can't even tell you. Trust God to balance the scales when you repent. Give to Jesus whatever happens. Just, just, just <laughs> let, it, let Him right the wrongs. Let him bring justice. Forgive your pastor who disappointed you. Forgive your spouse who may have even abused you. Forgive your friends who betrayed you. Forgive God who let it happen. Oh, that's the biggest one. I saved as the last. People, ultimately, it has to go to God. It goes from maybe me to then, but eventually it ends up, God let that happen. I, as a human, can't explain why God let that happen. And trust me, you can't explain why it happened. But what you can do is trust God that it happened. And ultimately, somehow, out of my understanding, it's going to work together for good to them that love God and the call according to His purpose. Romans 8, 28. That's what Job did. You know you couldn't tell Job, oh, oh, it, it's okay that your 10 kids died. He's never going to be able to say, well, how could that be good? Oh, Job. Oh, you lost your whole wealth, everything. 401k, everything, gone. How could that be good? You with me on that? If you think it's got to register in your mind, it's okay. You're never going to get over a wounded spirit. Part of a wounded spirit is just simply not trusting the big picture. Not trusting God. He's going to take care of you. It's going to be okay. You know, I'm talking to Christians here this morning. You can forgive God. He'll restore your spirit, and he'll give you a healthy spirit again. And then you'll find the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmities. But a wounded spirit, who can bear? Father, help us in the name of Jesus to be able to understand the truth here this morning. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, 
Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.